Welcome to the McCovey Croncast. It is Tuesday, May 10th, 2016. I'm Brian Murphy, and with me is... Doug Brizzoni. Doug Brizzoni, welcome back to another week of Giants baseball. You know, I was starting to think that when we don't have a podcast, they do well, but we delayed this week's a little bit, and they still lost, so now I think it's out the window. Because um, we didn't do it that one week, and then they were... we. Didn't record their first week, obviously, and they did well. And then he didn't record that one week, and they did well. And uh, and yeah, so now there is no superstition in my mind. The Giants went 4-4, four and four and we had nothing to do with it. Well, I will say that Jake Peavy did have his second best start of the year. So maybe <laughs> maybe that was on us. Maybe we're, maybe we're the ones that are keeping, that are holding Peavy back. <laughs> Uh, that's possible. Now I'm going to think about that one. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but if you are a fan of Giants baseball, then you know that, uh, four and four, they are 17 and 17 heading into another gulp game against the Blue Jays. That was my attempt to make a gulp sound because Blue Jays <laughs> have a really good offense and, uh, and the Giants are starting the first two games of the series with their worst pitchers. But anyway, let's go through the week, shall we? Real quickly, the Giants uh, started off in Cincinnati, which traditionally, or at least I'd say over the last five or six years, has been sort of a tough place to play. But I would say since about, oh, I don't know, 2012, it's been fine. So October of yeah, 2012. Yeah, right. So uh, nine, 9 to 6 was the first win, and that was a start where Johnny Cueto looked great really early, and then he looked really bad uh, for a while and still still uh, pitched a lot of innings, but he gave up six runs, and he got hit really hard. <laughs> um, it was not a sharp start, but luckily the Giants were facing the Reds, and the offense got going. Yeah, he, um, you know, he, he, looked bad, he looked great early. He looked very bad for an inning, and then he looked great again for a little while. Uh, so I guess sometimes he'll just have those innings and the Giants will win anyway. That's sort of, that, that's my takeaway from Johnny Cueto. Sometimes he'll be really bad, but the team will rally behind him. So, you know, could be worse. They, they like him. They, they want to, they want to do well for him. And so they, they step it up. Uh, yeah, it was really the third inning is where he got lit up for six runs and get, you know, Joey Votto. Uh, the Giants, I think, fixed Joey Votto because he had had a really bad first month of the season. And uh, I think after this series, he's back to Joey Votto. But he crushed a home run to, to deep center field. I'm pretty sure even in that park, hitting a home run, uh, what am I saying? Jay Bruce, Joey Votto. Yeah, that hitting a home run to that part of the park is still a very impressive home run, even though the ball tends to jump out of there. Um, but otherwise, you know, Cueto had eight strikeouts. Uh, two walks. Uh, I say through more innings. He threw five innings total. Things get a little foggy for me, folks. After after the like immediately after the game, but uh, and that was a game where we got the debut the debut of Vin Mazzaro, I believe. Uh, nope, I take that back. That was not his debut, but it was uh, it was a game where he he did well, which as we will see is the only game he did well in this past week, and uh, and you know it was sort of. Once they uh, once they overcame that and were down six to three, they had a five run seventh. That was the uh, the Reds bullpen has had a historically long uh, run of their bullpen giving up an earned run in consecutive games. And I guess what in my years of being a Giants fan, I kind of expected that streak to end when the Giants came to town, you know, which would which would backfire and cause them to lose a game. But that did not happen here. So I have a lot of perspectives to change, Doug. No, that that one came close to happening though. I think yeah. in the, the last game of the series, they right. they had to scrape one out in the that's, ninth inning. That's right. So they could they could lose seven four and seven seven three. But that's that's a lot of pride that they've got there. That's right. Uh, and and that game, uh, Brandon Crawford, he had a he had a big home run um, in the seventh inning when when they really started to get it going. He had four RBIs in that game, so that was a really big game for Crawford and um, and. Mac Williamson had been called up, so he got the start, and Mac Williamson did not look fantastic, um, which we'll get into some more. But it was a great game all around, except for that bad inning for Cueto, but 
Uh, I'm still happy with the Johnny Cueto signing, and yes, I don't want him to have six-run burp innings. Um, so hopefully that will be diminished as time goes by. But otherwise, you know, it looks like when he gets into trouble, it, it doesn't look like he's remarkably different from when he's pitching well. That's just how it goes to me. Like maybe he just enters the wrong sequence in terms of whatever Cody punches in to do his shimmy shakes. Maybe he just gets a little <laughs> off rhythm, but he looks the same when he looks bad as he does when he looks good, at least to me. Yeah, no, I, I think he is generally just a good pitcher who has a couple bloops fallen and then a couple hard hit balls off him. And, you know, that'll happen to everyone. It seems to happen to him where that all gets clustered a little more regularly than everyone else. But it's, you know, that's he's been so good for the Giants, it seems petty to complain about that. I'm not complaining, yeah. So, no. and, they, and they won, so the rule <laughs> around here is if the Giants win, everything's great, so. Uh, and and then we go into the next game where uh, Samarja pitches, and Samarja pitched a great game. The Giants win game two of that series in Cincinnati, three to one, and uh, and it was you know three to one in Cincinnati. You kind of think, oh, things aren't going quite that well. And the Giants did have to score two runs in the eighth inning again off the Reds bullpen to make that happen, but uh, limiting them to one run, Jeff Samarja he. Pitched eight innings, nine strikeouts, only gave up three hits and walked two. One of the hits he gave up was a home run to, of all people, Adam Duvall. (laughs) (laughs) Former giant Adam Duvall. And he crushed it, so that was good for him. Um, But Samarja looked fantastic. And against, I would say the Reds have probably a decent offense all the way around. So this isn't him just dominating a bad lineup. But we've seen him dominate, you know, be dominant against the Rockies in Colorado. And so there's been some really impressive flashes from Jeff Samarja that we've already seen. And this is another one of those. Yeah. That signing has, that signing has been working out really well so far. I mean, that's, I think we were all very against that. You and me and Grant and basically anybody. And Jeff Samarja is like, Nope, I'm very good. (laughs) Well, which is a good response. Yeah. I mean, it's the best case scenario. You sort of hope that the giants, in that Jason Schmidt kind of way, they're like, we like what you do here. Do more of what you're good at, what we like <laughs> about you. Also, it helps that he throws 94 to 96. Uh, that's always nice uh, when you have that. <laughs> Covers a lot of mistakes. Um, and Santiago Casilla had another save. I, I mean, we talked about him last time. And, you know, this was a week overall that he looked like the Santiago Casilla historically been with the giants you know where he's just uh where he's just the guy and there's no there's no question no doubt about it and uh and that was also um you know so like i said you're just calm that's all i meant to say (laughs) uh so yeah hail hail santiago casilla yeah (laughs) yes hail santiago casilla sorry for everything (laughs) you're better than what we've given you and then because baseball hates us uh the giants don't get the sweep they lose seven to four in the final game of the series in cincy and that's because jake Peavy started i mean there's really no (laughs) there's really no other reason why they lost that game jake Peavy still did throw 101 pitches he did pitch six innings they were not good innings he had eight strikeouts so i guess you could hang your hat on that but he did allow four home runs and gave up seven earned runs. Um, I think he was just bad. I, I, yeah, I mean, even for a start in Cincinnati, that's bad. Yeah. So he was just bad. He, he was just bad. Uh, Jake Peavy is not good. Uh, the Giants couldn't really put up a crooked number. Dan Straley was I mean, God, would the Giants kill for Dan Straley on the team right now? Um, <laughs> he... I recall, you know, his pitches looked sort of crisp. He he knew how to keep the ball out of the middle of the plate, and, and the Giants only have, you know, 40% of the rotation can't do that. Um, and they also couldn't really put together any big innings, so it was just, just a bunch of one run here and there. And then also, you know, it's early in the game, and you're down 5-1 to one after two innings, and 6-1 to one after three innings. It's kind of like, what's the point? You know, it's getaway day. You're just miserable at that point. So not a great end of the series there, but, you know, the Giants get a series win, which 
I think early in the season is always the best thing. I mean, that's ultimately what you want to do, right? If you just get series wins the whole way through, you're you're going to the playoffs. You're going to be one of the best teams in the sport. But uh, early going, win series, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I know the Reds are bad, but if you go on the road and win a series, it's it's tough to complain about that ever. Like, even, even if the Giants go into Atlanta at some point and only win two out of three this year, that's still probably fine. It was a uh, it was a it was an annoying loss because PV's been so bad, and I would say for whatever reason it made me think of the Brewers series to open up because they had a chance to sweep, but that third game they just couldn't quite punch it through. And I, I'm reminded of it as like the Brewers are kind of equally as bad as the Reds, maybe. And that game I remember being sort of like, eh, oh well, they just couldn't get they they scored they scored runs and and uh Samarja pitched okay they just couldn't quite punch it through that was different from PV where he just put them so far behind it was just what's the point um <laughs> like yeah. i think i think Posey got pulled in that game and and just they were just like nope we're not even going to try this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> and another oh. game that was stupid yeah. should we just go right into the to the worst do it yeah. just do it <laughs> so then the giants come home hey they're back home and that was on Thursday, and they just the Giants were eviscerated, uh, decapitated, disemboweled, disemboweled. Um, <laughs> uh, just, just I don't know what else they were. They were fisted. They were donkey punched. <laughs> they were. They were. They were everything. Seventeen to seven. Uh, the Broncos just ran all over the 49ers. It wasn't even close. Uh, the Rockies just came into town, and I. I think they beat Matt Cain so badly that, uh, and they beat the Giants and Vin Mazzaro so badly that dental records are the only way that they know who to bring in from the bullpen going forward. <laughs> but uh, a 13-run fifth inning, the Rockies scored in the top of the fifth, and they that was the highest, the most runs allowed in AT&T Park in a single inning in AT&T Park history, the most since 1997. Uh, by the Giants at home, and that was against the Expos. Um, and I think that, and it caused the Giants to designate for assignment Vin Mazzaro, and I keep mentioning his name, and it's worth mentioning, look at the stats, don't turn away. <laughs> um, in one-third of an inning, he gave up six hits, nine runs, seven of which were earned, uh, and he walked a batter and left the game with a 63 ERA, which I like that. That's just funny to me. Um, Matt Cain somehow threw four innings. I mean, he, he started the fifth, but, I mean, uh, he gave up ten hits again, uh, six earned, eight runs total, and two home runs. He didn't strike out anybody, and he didn't walk anybody. Um, and I think that, I mean, it's kind of hard to – I think it's distressing in a lot of ways. Yes, you'll just have bad games where you get blown out. That's fine. I get it. But it, it, we're five weeks into the season, and I feel like the Giants have had three really bad games that you could argue that are going to be there at the end of the season for worst games of the year. And you've kind of had some games that are the worst in either Giants history, AT&T Park history, or respective pitchers' histories already in the first five weeks. You've had like three or four of those. Yeah, so the fifth inning was obviously the disaster inning here. I will say that in addition to the pitching being bad, the defense was also bad in that inning. Um, Crawford booted a ball that uh, Arenado hit that should have been an out. You know, if you can get an out on Arenado and you don't, then you deserve to have 12 runs scored against you in an inning. And then... And then uh, Joe Panic had trouble with a double play ball, which was like Ben Mazzaro's first hitter. And if you if you have trouble with a double play ball against the Rockies, you deserve that thirteenth run against you too. Well, that was Kelby Tomlinson. There's that. Oh, it was guy. Kelby. That's right. That was Panic Kelby was hurt. Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I should have known. Guy boots a double play ball. It's Kelby Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's tough. We've already talked about Tomlinson. It's tough to focus in on one guy, but man, you know, you get those opportunities. I think it's best to be more like Gregor Blanco where you just, you, people kind of forget that you played that day if you don't right. do anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
I think maybe people expect that I'm going to just be angry about it, but it's sort of, this was the game that afterwards Bruce Bochy finally sat there and said, oh, maybe we need to think about our rotation. But <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to say beyond beyond that. It, it was it was uh, embarrassing. I've said all the other things about what it was. It was embarrassing, humiliating, hilarious. Um, it's also baseball, one game out of 162. And so you'd like to think that you can just wipe it off and move on. And the Giants did exactly that. They won their next two games. Uh, I don't think we need to focus more on this game. Right? Vin Mazzaro was designated for assignment afterward, and uh, and I think that that pretty much settles it. Uh, and then we never talked about Vin Mazzaro again. That's right. Um, I I will say that heading into the series, you were confident that the Rockies were not going to be a problem. So, Phil, <laughs> it's important to point that out. <laughs> split the series is that really a problem well and it was tough to split the series too it was really tough uh somehow the saturday game so they win six to four uh when when madison bumgarner does not have a really a good start um but the offense is somehow able to come through which is nice uh but a four run second inning um he still struck out 10 but you know i would say it still wasn't that great of a start overall um he pitched into the eighth as I keep bringing up all these facts, you're like, well, it was a good start, but you give up four runs. It gets especially early going. You know, you're the stopper or the ace. It kind of it's difficult to put your team back. But it was sort of a Cueto start in that Bumgarner had a bad inning, and then that was it. And then he, and especially it was early enough. You know, it was it's a little bit different from a PV blow up where you're like, okay, Bumgarner had a bad inning. I trust that Bumgarner is not going to have a bad inning going forward. <laughs> And maybe that's what, what allowed the team to be confident and score all those runs. They're also facing the Rockies pitching. You've got to be confident you can score at least four runs off the Rockies um, pitching home or away. It doesn't matter. Um, and- <laughs> um, I, will, I will say about Bumgarner's start, uh, again, like, like the day before, there was some prob- there were a few problems with the defense. Uh, this time it was Joe Panic who made the error. That's what I was remembering. Um, in the second inning... And that was kind of a dink and dunk sort of very Padres rally. So I mean, it, it wasn't you know you don't you don't praise a guy for giving up four runs, but at the same time you go, well, that's not that big of a deal, like in terms of projecting him going forward. Yeah. Uh, well, and yeah, I wasn't trying to t- say anything about is his Bumgarner done or something. Uh, the ten strikeouts against a really good team. Uh, and the one walk, to me, that's uh, that's fantastic. 108 pitches. I was very happy with it all around. And again, Santiago Casilla comes in and does a great job. Um, it's it's the next game where it's sort of like, man, these Rockies are kind of a pain in the ass, too. You got, you got it from, from that game a little bit with, like you said, the dinks and dunks. But a pitching duel that went 13 innings and required, you know, uh, Matt Duffy getting the walk off. But John Gray... Uh, a, a top Rockies prospect at one point, I think, uh, struck out five and in seven innings, gave up one hit, walked two, and Johnny Cueto uh, didn't quite match him. He matched him in terms of not giving up any runs, but uh, eight hits in eight and a third innings, and he struck out three and walked one. So it's it's strange, like when Cueto has a sort of a bad inning, he sort of makes up for it by striking out striking out a bunch of guys and and if he's keeping another team down he's not striking out guys i don't know strikeouts are usually uh, indicative of of a pitcher being on his game but johnny cueto very much pitched the levon hernandez game in this one <laughs> in, in a good way in the it's best way no no no. the, the platonic way. ideal of a levon hernandez start um yeah giants era levon hernandez because young levon hernandez he could strike guys out um uh I guess the the takeaway here is that the Giants bullpen was able to pitch so many innings without uh, Corey Gearing gives up the run, but they didn't like have a meltdown. Hunter Strickland threw almost two innings and he did not give up any runs. And so good for him. <laughs> good job, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, was the, the podcast that didn't record, was that the one where we emphasized that Hunter Strickland vanity searches on Twitter? Because I want to emphasize again. Hunter Strickland vanity searches on Twitter. He does. <laughs> he vanity searches on Twitter, and he's got us all blocked. And he's, I think <laughs> this now, this podcast is now blocked. Um, he, uh, yeah, uh, that was the same one. And 
uh, you're going to have these games too. It's kind of weird. You're going to have blowout games and you're gonna, going to have these surprisingly tight games. Um, it was a game where Joe Panic went 0 for 6. Not great, but he was coming back. Like you said, he's been dealing with the groin thing. Hunter Pence, 0 for 4. Buster Posey, 0 for 5, which I think we need to talk about. Gregor Blanco, 0 for 5. Gregor Blanco has been playing because uh, Angel Pagan has been injured, but not so injured that he's not on the disabled list. So the Giants were sort of without their main guys, or without a, a main guy, and the other main guys are some version of being ineffective or coming off of injury. So it was a weird timing. And then as the broadcasters have said, John Gray and a couple of the other guys the Giants have faced this week, the Giants haven't faced them before. And so to me, if you're going to face the Giants in the playoff series, it seems like you should not uh, put on your playoff roster any pitcher the Giants have faced before, and you're going to sweep the series and win 7 nothing every game. That's what it seems like. The, yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Uh, because it seems striking to me that just by virtue of not facing a guy, that to me that sort of implies that the Giants are really computer algorithms, and if they don't have the data, they can't you know they can't generate the result. That seems to be a little surprising because ultimately baseball comes down to you know half a a fraction of a second reactions, and I don't know. So it's just a, it's a weird thing to say like well if you string that many unfamiliar faces together they're all making the same quality pitches every time so I don't <laughs> I, I don't buy into that broadcaster thesis about why the offense is going badly I guess we should finish up the run here uh, the Giants uh, did not win the series they split the series because in the final game of it they got shut out two to nothing um, at home again Eddie Butler who they faced before. But I guess they haven't really seen him too often. Um, I mean, to be fair, do you remember Eddie Butler? I don't. Uh, But that was another great start by Jeff Samarja. Giving up two runs and losing is not a dishonorable start there. He pitched into the eighth. He threw 123 pitches, which is the most he's pitched, I think, since 2013 or something like that uh, in a game. Nine strikeouts. um, And he looked great again. And the offense just couldn't do anything. Joe Panic 0 for 3. Um, Matt Duffy 0 for 3. Buster Posey 0 for 4. Hunter Pence and Brandon Belt were the only people who had hits in that game, except for Blanco's other hit. So it was three people in the lineup getting hits in that game. Uh, that's You're not going to win a lot if that's the case. No, um, that's going to be So congrats to the Rockies for being a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> And then last night's game was Jake Peavy somehow surviving um, <laughs> a start against the Blue Jays. He he really he he hung in there and he pitched five innings somehow through 112 <laughs> pitches, struck out six, walked five, gave up gave up five hits. So his whip of of uh, it's been two like the whole season. So it's still there. <laughs> So his, his whip was what, 1.6 then? Five, five no, walks, five and, oh, walks no. and five hits, five, too. Five hits. That's yeah, basically two. been his whip the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he lowered his ERA, though, from a, from a solid 9 to an 8.47. So his whip on the season is 1.912. <laughs> he does have 31 strikeouts and 34 innings. <laughs> Uh, and I would say that if you watched the game last night, uh, don't call me crazy. I'm correct. That was a generous strike zone on the outside quarter for both teams. It was very consistent, but I think that certainly helped a lot because PV, when he's pitching quote unquote, well, it's because he's able to get batters to chase way outside the strike zone. And usually that helps that he's getting the calls. Um, and maybe he does just pitch better at AT AT&T park overall. He might, uh, it's just, that seems like the kind of, you know, okay-ish start that bad pitchers have, where that's the upside, and so that's not really what you want out of someone in a major league rotation. Well, I, I mean, that's a- the other, I guess the other factor is that the Blue Jays have been in a really, really awful slump all season long. Um, like Tulowitzki sitting under the Mendoza line, which, <laughs> uh, it's my analysis about that. Hmm. Um, and they, they really have been, they've been kind of getting by this year on pitching, which is not what you expect from them. 
Uh, it's not what you expect from them coming in the season. It's not what you expect from them going forward. They have a lot of talent. Jake Peavy came in and, you know, he, he got through with the start. He didn't – he was not the reason the Giants lost, but if he keeps pitching like that it, – it's tough to see him sticking in the rotation. He said, as if J- as if he didn't predict JPV would already be out of the rotation. Uh, it, it was a Mark Gardner number five starter start yes. for me. Um, so I think that's why he's going to stick around a little bit longer. We also got the debut of Albert Suarez, uh, who is the guy who was called up to replace um, the Vin Mazzaro tire fire. And he pitched two innings and struck out two and walked one. And I, you know, he looked good. Uh, He had a crisp fastball and he had a nice breaking ball. And he was not throwing the ball right down the middle of the plate, which uh, to me is encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. I mean, to me, the interesting thing about Suarez is he was Sacramento's best starter this year. And they called him up to be a reliever when there are two tire fires in the rotation. So I'm not sure what the plan is there. Yeah, I mean, we should – we've covered the week. Three to one uh, loss yesterday. So the Giants, again, back to 500. Boring. They'll face – you know, they'll they'll be going with their top – or they'll be going with Matt Cain tonight. We'll see what happens. But it'll probably be another tire fire. There's no reason why it shouldn't, really. There's no evidence that – there's no reason to expect – Anything less than a blowout at this point. Okay, quick this question, Brian. Season. Yes. How, how many how many runs does Matt Cain give up in the fifth inning today? <laughs> That's the key inning. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be um, four runs, but it'll be it'll be the seventh total run. <laughs> okay. So uh, okay. I think he'll give up three, and then I think he'll give up four. Um, I think it's going to be um, runs. Three, four, and five. Okay. All right. All right. So you only get one out. Uh, but we're 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 both sure that the Giants aren't scoring any runs tonight. I mean, they might, but who cares? Right. So <laughs> this is what a five hundred team does, folks. Who cares at this point? Um, but there's something to care about, and maybe some help is on the way. Uh, another Albert Suarez, his name being Tim Lincecum. <laughs> That's the big news. Tim Lincecum had a tryout on Friday for 23 major league teams. It was at the Giants spring training facility. I think everyone knows all this stuff by now. It was on TV. I had a great article idea, and I did not expect that he would be so popular that it would kill the idea. But the idea was, well, there's not going to be video. There's never video at these tryouts. They don't record them. So I'm like, what if a courtroom sketch artist sketched out scenes from the tryout? This is what happened since we couldn't get video footage. Uh, and I was going to do like chalk or charcoal drawings and, and um, like colored pencils and and give him the bad Tom Brady face and all that stuff. Um, and that didn't happen because there was video and it looked he looked good. Yeah, I mean, he did. He, you know, his velocity was not it was better than it was the last couple of years, but. Some, you know, somebody said, well, it's the same as it was in 2012 and 2013. He was bad in 2012 and 2013. Right. He's been so, bad a long time. He's been, he's been bad a- for a lot of years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to see him helping the team. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he can stay above 90, because he was dipping down to 89 and, and 91, and that's a straight fastball. There is, there is no movement on that sucker. Um, and it really just looks, it just really functions at this point to be faster than his other stuff, which if his curveball is back or looks good, which all the accounts said, then that's great. And if he has a slider, that's great. And if his fastball uh, works, then now his changeup is more effective. So it could work. I like him as the idea of a rubber armed super reliever who with this Giants team would throw probably eight innings a week. So, Right. <laughs> so he'd essentially be a starter. Um, and the teams that would be interested in him right now, it looks like the front runners are the Angels, which is not surprising given their needs. The Diamondbacks, which is a little surprising. The Padres, not surprising at all. The White Sox, which is pretty surprising. And the Giants, which is not surprising. Um, 
Do you have any feel for this, Doug? Any sense of where he might go? What might happen? I, I don't, but why should I let that stop me? Yeah, that's uh, right. Never had it before. That's right. Um, I'm saying the Padres because it fe- he feels like he should be on the Padres. Like, it makes more sense for him to go to the Angels. The Angels are more desperate. But it just seems right for him to be on the Padres. Not not in a morally right way, but just in that that's how these things happen kind of way. Yeah, I that's what I predicted a long time ago when we heard he was going to try to make a comeback. I think they need him. I think the park will protect him a little bit. Um, and if he goes to the American League, I think he'll just he'll get bombed. I, I think he'll yeah. be destroyed. Um, which is still weird to say because to me, I don't enjoy American League baseball, but they will they will beat the holy hell out of Tim Lincecum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I would say. Come back to the Giants, Timmy. Uh, this is how desperate I am, Doug. The Giants pitching is so bad. I would rather take a flyer on Tim Lincecum starting for a little bit. Um, <laughs> because I don't want to see Jake Peavy or Matt Kane anymore. Uh, they they are not. They don't keep the team in the game whatsoever. Whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not willing to play the Russian roulette of Will Matt Cain go through three perfect innings and then have a bad inning? Or will he just be bad right away? Because either of those are the options on the table. And even the Giants are finally starting to question it. But you have to wonder, what are they doing? They bring up their best starter from the minors, like you said, and now he's relieving. That kind of implies to me, Doug, that they will get a reliever and make him a starter, which is what would happen with Lincecum. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I guess... (laughs) I, I don't know what they're doing. They're like the the sort of they're smarter than me. I don't want to say they're not. They know more than me, but I don't understand what they're doing. Uh, yeah, we we on this Croncast, folks, we uh, we acknowledge that the Giants are smarter than us. We we appreciate that. I think, and uh, we know that they know more than we do. But we also know that they are almost blindingly loyal. <laughs> And we know Bruce Bochy in particular is, and we know that Jake Peavy is his boy, probably more than any other. I mean, I, I don't know. Where would you rank it on the all-time Bochy's guy list? Peavy, Klesko, Phil Nevin. Uh, uh, Vinny Castilla. Vinny Castilla, yep. That's right. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, that's awesome. Well, he's number one. <laughs> he has to be number one. Uh, and Tim Flannery. I mean, those that seems to me to be the core of that's Bochy's gang right there, and and his and his dog who passed away. If you read his book, Walk, I can't remember her name now. We're at a whole review. Um, but out of the humans, that's. <laughs> I mean, his son didn't even get the loyalty that that, uh, that Vinny Castilla got. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Let's, where would you rank them? PV's got to be one or two, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like I, the thing is about Klesko and Nevin, I don't know that I can't, I can't think of anything specifically. They didn't justify with their play. Like when, uh, when Klesko was on the giants, you know, he was good for a while and then he was bad and Bochy stuck with him. You know, the team was bad. Team wasn't going anywhere, but she stuck with him about an appropriate amount of time, maybe a few weeks longer than he had to. But that that seemed like just sort of general. Any manager will like a veteran with who'd put up the numbers that Ryan Klesko had in his career. So I think Klesko and Nevin are at the bottom. Okay. And then there's, and then there's a, uh, and you know Nevin, I can't remember anything at all that like specifically when he played when he shouldn't have for like two months. Well, I also think Nevin got injured a lot so it made the decisions a lot easier yeah uh and so uh, so then the other three were pv castilla and who oh and who? flannery oh flannery i think flannery is the most his boy out of anyone okay because uh he both had to fire him in san diego and he really didn't want to right but the but he was kind of forced into it by the front office which was which i think there was a little bit of a grudge there yeah. Uh, then they won three championships. I think it's a little bit over. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think the grudge was between Bochy and the front office, not oh, right. Flannery and Bochy. Oh, right. well, was... when, Bochy, when Bochy came to San Francisco, his first thing was, I'm getting Flannery back. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, having a grudge against the Padres front office, I mean, 
he's the only one, <laughs> only ever, one. Yeah, who cares enough about them to have one. Let's let's uh, talk about one last thing. We'll get to your questions and everything. One thing I just want to mention real quick is that we had uh, Willie Mays celebrated his 85th birthday uh, back on on Thursday. Hold on, am I getting that right? Yeah, Thursday. Um, and he was honored. Sorry, Friday. And he was honored uh, with "Happy Birthday" by Metallica. I don't know. Was that <laughs> was that the best way to honor him? <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe he loves Metallica. I don't know. I've never asked him. <laughs> oh my God. What if Willie Mays liked Metallica? <laughs> Do you have like a, is there like a, a Willie Mays fact or, or something that you find most memorable? I feel like we should talk about Willie Mays often. I feel like we on this Croncast don't do it quite enough, but I mean, he's in some people's eyes, he's the best baseball player of all time. And these are people who you wouldn't, this, these are people on the East Coast who would think, you know, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, but there, there's a strong national thought that he's the best ever. Vince Scully, he always talks about that, that Willie Mays is the best he ever saw. Yeah, he is. Um, he was obviously an all-time great, and the problem is the facts that spring to mind for him are generally the ones that everyone knows, you know, 24 All-Star games and that... Uh, and he hit the home run that 16 inning game. I will say the year he got called up to the majors in 1951, he was at the time hitting 477 in double A. <laughs> so he kind of forced the issue there a little yeah. bit. That, yeah. And that was over 150 at bat, 149 at bats. And as we know, double A is more competitive than triple A. <laughs> so he was, yeah, he was really hitting. Oh, wait, no, no, that was triple A. The <laughs> league was the American Association. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I was confused by that. It's all right. And but also kind of famously when he came up he was O for his first 24 or O for yeah. Yeah, something like that and uh you know sort of that whole thing of if he was on today's Giants he would have been sent down. <laughs> he would be Mac Williamson. <laughs> uh which I'm not comparing William Mays to Mac Williamson, but I guess we'll never know, right? At the same time. <laughs> never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, I, I, to me, the Willie Mays thing that I always come back to, the one that thing I always remember, besides the catch, was uh, was the line the All Star Game was made for Willie Mays. That that to me is the the best thing, and I believe it's Ted Williams who says that, who said that. So to me, that's that's sort of like that's baseball. Uh, that's putting quite a bit of stock in him that even his peers could sit there and say, um, this guy is something he's, he's on another level. And we still get that from time to time. Uh, some certain players sort of being in awe of their contemporaries, but it's always, it's always fun to see and sort of, there hasn't really been maybe because baseball players are traditionally such jerks. And so there (laughs) hasn't been one to transcend all that jerkery to sort of get, a consensus or some sort of or statements to that effect. You know, you're guys talking about Mike Trout or, or Giancarlo Stanton or Miguel Cabrera, even uh, in sort of in those glowing terms, the contemporaries, because usually they're just like, Oh, if I pitched against him, I'd hit him in the ribs because <laughs> pitchers are whiny piss babies. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So there, there's, there's really not been anyone like him since. Sort of no, there, there absolutely hasn't. Like the best, the best current day analog is probably Kershaw, who you know everyone's like, well, yeah, he's tough. Like sort of that, that respectful acknowledgement that yeah. you could see how thirty years from now, somebody will be like, oh my god, when I had to face Kershaw, I literally wore adult diapers. <laughs> who's your but, top? Who's your top suspect? <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey Huff. Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get the Ted Williams quote, quote correct. He said, they invented the all-star game for Willie Mays. So that to me is really cool that, that Ted Williams would say something like that. Um, it, it's just, it's, he's just a cool guy. And I love that he's uh, such a part of the Giants current history. And whenever he's interviewed and whenever he talks, you know, to me, it just seems, to me, it always just seems like if you only get, I only see people who are famous getting asked about the things they're famous for. 
And just from an outsider, I'm not always interested in that. And I always ha have false empathy. And I'm like, I would not want to be asked about the thing I'm famous for all the time. <laughs> like if that was the only thing I, you know, I'm anyone ever talks to me about, I, w I would get annoyed after a while. But maybe, maybe it's one of those things of like comedy where a joke stops being funny. And then if you keep doing it, it gets funny again. So maybe he's honored. Then he got annoyed for a while, and now he's honored again. I don't know. <laughs> Very possible. But the important thing is, happy birthday, Willie Mays. Happy birthday, Willie Mays, and uh, thanks thanks for being great. Um, okay, so let's get to our Twitter questions, um, and, and then we will, we will dazzle you with our answers there. <laughs> okay. So the first one is from... Well, we have two different Lincecum questions, which we kind of already answered, right? Yes. I don't know. Yeah, we do. We do have one. I meant to respond to that, so we can ignore those and, and go on to the ones that are new. Um, so then the – wow. So we got a question from Al Bazan at PHX Giant. What are some of the best pre-All-Star break Giants trades, and will the Giants make one? I can't remember one ever. I can't either, and I probably should have researched this, but I, I can't remember. I mean, I guess the easy answer is a spring training trade. Right. Uh, so uh, and I still Chris can't. Stewart, George Contos. There we go. That was a great trade, right? That was. <laughs> that worked out. Uh, so that's the leader in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I can't – I mean, no one wants to listen and us uh, searching for these trades, but uh, – right. I guess I can edit it out. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Stupid. It just it just takes time to edit shit out. Um, I'm looking Scudero, Ellis Burks. Nope. Randy Wynn. Nope. Uh, Angel Pagan. But I guess these are this off season. These are I the the spirit of the question is clearly like maybe spring training is okay, but certainly after baseball has commenced. So, right. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I can't think. I I would say that the Stewart Contos one works. Contos is still you know on the team and is considered to be a more than useful cog in the bullpen. And they've already run through three or four Chris Stewart alternatives or people they think are going to be better. Um, so I mean that's the one uh, right there. <laughs> uh, the bigger question is, will the Giants make a trade before, you know, this early in the season, which I think is actually a very interesting question. And I think the Giants, the way they work is simply they read the tea leaves or try to analyze the market. And I think that they are not willing to play. I don't think there's a market that's developed that they'd be happy with right now. That's why I think the Tim Lincecum option is appealing. He would just cost money and probably not that much. Yeah. Um, one of the things the Giants always talk about, um, either unprompted or from very light prompting from the beat writers, is trades before June, before July, before a, you know, before a few weeks before the, the deadline always cost way more than they want to pay. So they're not uh, really interested in doing that. Well, that, I mean, that's a good point that they'll pay more, but I, yeah, they pay more the later it goes. But I also think that at this point in the season, it's there's not a lot available. And so yeah. you would also have to pay a high price if you started making the trade proposals. Uh, so I think they'll probably just scour waiver wire type situations or anyone coming back from injury maybe. Or, yeah, Lincecum is, a, is an easy alternative, but I mean also – I, I guess they're kind of thinking we can make it through May and hopefully someone will step up. Right. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what their, what their thinking is. I, I don't want to put strategy in their mind, but I, I would say for sanity's sake, they should probably just be focusing on, okay, we need to get one more good starting pitcher. Right. Yeah. Cause if you just focus on, we have two bad pitchers, I mean, yes, that is a smoking crater in the back of the rotation. But if you fill in half the hole, then it's just a trench. So <laughs> you'll be <laughs> – uh, you, you, you might feel like you can paper over, you know, if you pull Matt Cain after three. Now you feel like you've got a chance, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, what's the next question? 
the next question is from Paul Reiser Fan Club at Tweets by Jesse. The question is, how about a Where Are They Now segment about Grant's Llama Boss? <laughs> so for those of you who aren't aware, Grant used to work at a job where his boss would occasionally log on to his computer and post things from his account. One time he posted uh, a picture on McCovey Chronicles of llamas that's, and then with, you know, paint, written in paint, it said, the llamas are always watching you. <laughs> so, so Brian, where, where do you think he is right now? Uh, I think he has been promoted up and he's now a um, llama um, executive. Oh. And uh, I think because, you know, he's been at the company for a long time. He's done a good job. I just think that he, for a while, probably thought that he could, you know, use this as a temporary situation and then find a better job or career field. But then he just started, he stayed there so long. He's like, okay, I'm just going to advance up the ladder. So now he's a llama executive. And I think that he, uh, there's no, he doesn't allow any outside sites to be accessed. <laughs> now, that's the corporate policy he's instituted to prevent such Grant Brisby's from developing right under his nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I think that's a good point. I will say that uh, I think that, you know, he maybe did that for a while. He uh, I think he, he ascended. He he not only is now in charge of llamas, but he's doing alpacas, he's doing camels. Oh, he's doing oh. Lots, of, lots of other dromedaries. And then uh, I think he dropped out and became the Republican frontrunner for president. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so with that, that that's a big swing. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so our game here, <laughs> let's do, let's do some civil war. As you know, Captain America civil war came out and we like to trace, chase the trends. Uh, and, the tagline for that movie asks, whose side are you on? So we're going to pick a side between two things, not Captain America and Iron Man, but uh, certain giants things. I have I have a few. I, I think Doug has a couple of options. So throw it out there. We'll pick a side, and we'll explain why we're picking that side. So the first one I'm going to throw out, Doug, Peavy or Kane? I mean, this is... This is tough. I hope this isn't just sentiment talking, but it it might be because I'm going with Kane. His, Don't you know, he, his stuff has looked better this year, and it, the the results have not. Uh, the results have basically been horrific for both of them. But <laughs> Kane has has looked like he should be able to be a major league pitcher, and PV has not. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's correct. The strikeouts are sort of the interesting thing with PV, though, um, that he can still strike people out. And I, I guess I'm more interested in knowing and understanding why that's true as opposed to how he's doing it, because I don't think they're connected. I think they're diff there's a different reason behind why guys are still being fooled by him. I, I don't know. I think they're, I think they're just anxious to hit him. <laughs> Right, they're just, oh, I get to play against Jake Peavy. Yeah, take a swing. Right. Oh, man. That's right, that's oh, right. Fiddle sticks. <laughs> All right, what do you got for me? Um, so if you could only have one for a spot in the bullpen, Hunter Strickland or Corey Guerin? Uh, Corey Guerin. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to take, take his movement and his general command over over Hunter Strickland's Hunter Strickland's velocity has not – he's never to me seemed to have an explosive fastball where there's that next level, but it's such a straight fastball, and this year it doesn't – it looks like he's either you know, varying his speeds a little bit, but it just doesn't look as overpowering as it, as it has. Um, and I don't expect over 60 appearances or a whole season that it would in every start, but I haven't seen a lot from him this year – that makes him other than the 12th man in the bullpen. Uh, really, I, the Giants have like five 12 mans in the bullpen, to be <laughs> fair. But he has not looked like the guy they expected him to be, prepped him to be, all those types of things. So to me, I would I would pick Garen over, over Strickland. 
Uh, and no, and they're both they both come from outside organizations, so it's not like this is some betrayal or anything. This is what happens. Bullpens turn over. So uh, I'll take I'll take Garen's relative consistency. That's all. Okay. Okay. That's a bit of a cop out answer. Consistency. Who doesn't pick consistency? <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. Whose side are you on? Angel Pagan or the disabled list? <laughs> Well, I feel that Angel Fagan and the Disabled List should be on the same side. <laughs> I think this whole conflict is very silly. It could have been avoided with better communication. <laughs> well, do you think he's not communicating? Well, that's interesting. Do you think he's not communicating how he's feeling? I, I think that the Giants... I think that, that there is a problem with the Giants sort of not telling him that he needs to be 100% to be an effective player which means he needs the time off. And maybe that's something that he can't hear, that he has trouble with. But Angel Pagan at 85% is should not be playing. Angel Pagan at 85% should be resting. Um, and it feels like if he comes back tomorrow or the next day, that's what we're going to get. And right, I think fair. that's what they should be talking about. That's fair. Yeah, so you're, you're on the disabled list side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what do you got for me? Um, ooh, let's see. Okay, well, as a as a backup outfielder, uh, Mac Williamson or Jarrett Parker? Great question. Whose side am I on? Um, oh man, I was starting to lead with my heart here, but I think I should lead with my head. Um, I'm going to pick Jarrett Parker. My heart says it should be Mac Williamson because he's better. <laughs> but I think he needs to play consistently. So that's not going to be the case. So we're talking about backup outfielders on the Major League roster. And I don't think Jarrett Parker's really very good. I was very surprised that when he came into pinch hit yesterday that the Blue Jays threw him a fastball because to me that sounds like they didn't do a scouting report on him or it's a bad one. And he missed it, but he was looking for a fastball. And he pulled it. It was on the outside part of the plate. And to me that was like the perfect Jarrett Parker plate appearance. That was a, that was the perfect two teams never playing each other, one team with maybe questionable scouting um, and, a, and a bad hitter kind of getting exactly what he's looking for and doing the only thing he knows how to do with it. But to me, that's good for a backup because in a pinch hit situation, that's kind of all you really want is a, is a pool hitter who's going to be able to do some damage on a bad fastball. It wasn't quite a bad fastball, but really that's the best you can ask for. And really, the Giants don't have a lot of options when it comes to power off the bench, and I can't deny that Jarrett Parker has some power. Defensively, he's what about Angel Pagan? Maybe maybe a tick better. I mean, yeah, defensively he's fine. He he can't play center field. I mean, yeah. he can, but not especially. Well, they've well. got Blanco for center field, so yeah, that kind of works out. So I would say Jared Parker. Okay, I think that's that's fair as a backup outfielder. All right, and the last one. This is a controversial one. I might go on a little tangent here if you jam me up too much. <laughs> Buster Posey, whose side are you on? Buster Posey. Or the catcher's aging curve. Buster Posey, always and forever. <laughs> I am uh, dismayed by by um, Buster Posey's season. It's not quite going off the rails here. He's fine, but I think I mentioned this in a couple of a couple of Cron casts ago, where it sort of felt like he, in the middle of the order, is it's not the best case scenario for him because it's not a 30 or 40 home run threat and he's certainly not going to hit that this year but i'm i don't think the guys around him are bad but i'm wondering if he shouldn't be a guy around somebody else at this point this is the second straight year where he's gotten off to a good start but he was coming off of sort of three years of amazing starts and is it ridiculous to think of someone having consecutive amazing years together well no but Buster Posey's track is the Hall of Fame. I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm being ridiculous in saying that. I don't think you disagree. And no. uh, I would say that he's sort of. It's 
early enough that he can turn it around and have a great year, but he can still be a Hall of Famer and not be the guy. You know what I mean? He can still be a very strong supporting guy, but he may not be the guy going forward to carry the offense. They're giving him a lot of off days. They're all built into the schedule. It's a demanding position, and he's just getting older. And I don't know about you, Doug, but I can't be in a crouch for more than three minutes. So I don't know how he's in the crouch (laughs) for that much, no matter what flexibility. So I'm going to pick the aging curve in this case, uh, and I'm going to say that Buster Posey is the best player on the Giants, but the the edge that that he had is is sort of narrowing here. I I will not pick against Buster Posey. I know you're 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 not your team cap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I was team cap when Kane was cap, so not saying my judgment is good, but. Well, I mean, in fairness to the Matt Kane stuff, Matt Kane is is just now. I'm gonna wipe out the last year and a half or whatever because he had an, a, a legitimate injury that made it difficult to pitch. But basically, Jake or uh, Matt Kane now is sort of what everyone was fearing he would be when he was pitching, when he was the best pitcher on the Giants by far for like three years. Uh, so that and that's what we've talked about is sort of like people expect things to go badly. But that's how it goes with every baseball player. Eventually, it all goes badly. Uh, and so you can hold on to something for five years. And it's it's really an idiotic thing to be like, aha, I told you, five years later, after they've been awesome. So I'm not really saying that right. here with Buster Posey. I never thought, oh, Buster Posey's going to stop being an MVP. But it's sort of simply like, man, the Giants are really counting on him to carry the offense and when he doesn't, it, it's noticeable. And I don't know. He's been really bad with runners in the scoring position this year. And he just seems like he's sort of like last year where he's going to be great, but he's not going to be like he was in years past. Uh, and I think that's just him getting older. That's all. Yeah. Well, okay. What do you think of Civil War? Did you see it? I have not seen it. All right. So, so then we can't talk about it. Uh, and we won't spoil that on a baseball podcast for you so so we won't tell you how thor comes back and murders hawkeye (laughs) the the secret uh about those movies uh has been that jeremy renner is apparently kind of a jerk in real life or jerky i should say and the fact that they've leaned into that part of his real life persona (laughs) and made that part of the hawkeye character is what makes him so enjoyable now i feel (laughs) anyway so there you have it, folks. The Giants uh, are going to try. They've got the Blue Jays to handle still this week, um, and and I think your your eighty something win prediction is still still on track, Doug. Which I think so. I mean, they haven't hit fifty seven yet, so they can only you win. Still have a yeah, and according to yeah my calculations, they only have forty wins left in them. Which if if it was just Jake Peavy, Matt Cain, Chris Heston. Uh, Stratton and who's the other triple A starter I can think of? Lock. Yeah, they would only get forty more wins out of that starting five <laughs> if that happened. Uh, so just looking ahead real quick, um, two, uh, two more against the Blue Jays, sadly, and then oh my god, and then a four game series against the Diamondbacks, which not again. <laughs> that that one's in Arizona, and uh, so we'll be talking about those games next week uh which makes me very nervous because i can see them going zero and six uh since they haven't yet beat the diamondbacks uh what was your game of the week doug uh the i think the extra inning game the 2-1 walk off all right um i'm gonna say the um i'm gonna say the second game in cincinnati that that samarja start was really great yeah, I'm going to call that one. Um, and then I, I think the 17-7 to 7 game is just too easy to pick as the worst game of the week. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm okay with doing it anyway. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. It was really it, bad. <laughs> it deserves it. Uh, I'm, you can pick that one. I'm going to pick the, uh, the Cincinnati uh, 7-4 to 4 loss. Because, I mean... Uh, if you read Grant's recap of that two nothing Rockies loss, though, there's he makes excellent points about why that was such a terrible game because that was the game where the Giants at least had opportunities uh, to score those two runs, 
maybe even three runs, and they couldn't do it. So it was sort of frustrating in a whole new way. But that PV start in Cincinnati was was demoralizing. More than the Kane yeah. one insofar as, like, this is a team they could beat, and uh, and PV just got hammered, and I don't know. So to me, I'm going to pick that one. It just seems so easy to pick 17-7. to But that one at least had some defensive miscues, and it had Vin Mazzaro following up Matt Kane. You could kind of see where that game was going in its own way. But uh, Jake Peavy doesn't help the team at all. It doesn't even keep him in the game. So right. that's depressing all the way around. Uh, who do you have for player of the week? I'm going to give an honorable mention to Belt, who walked seven billion times, because that's yep. what he does now. Yep. Uh, but I'm um, Samarja, who had two great starts. The, those are great picks. I have, I'm just to get some extra love in here, since this is a Giants podcast. I'm going to throw in Derek Law, who I love dearly, and he got his, he got a win, which uh, which makes me very happy. His uh, first major league win, in fact, and I and I love him, maybe irrationally, <laughs> too too soon to love him. Uh, and he's a pitcher, and he'll break our hearts. But those are great picks on your end. So um, and Brandon Belt's having a hell of a season. Um, yeah. so keep going, Vanderbilt. Doug, do you have any parting words? Uh, I hope the Giants are good. <laughs> yes. I co-sign that. And thanks for listening. We will be back on Monday.